Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Comfort Zone. I am your host, Joe Barksdale. To the first time visitors as well as the repeat offenders, thank you so much for checking us out. This is a mental health podcast that looks at mental health through the lenses of music, sports, and comedy, or arts and entertainment. Sometimes we branch out from those things. Um, to the Boy, I already said to the, Wait, did I say to the first time visitors was there? Either way, thank y'all so much for checking <laughs> us out. <laughs> um, this, While these conversations may be therapeutic in nature, uh, neither of us are mental health professionals. I'm saying that to say if you feel like you need, you know, help, uh, we can... I can maybe tell you where to get some, but we are not mental health professionals. So just keep that in mind. Um, and I'm going to the feelings wheel because we have a guest. I feel like I'm going to just start with the feelings wheel even when we don't have guests anymore. But right now, I feel. I feel amused. Right before this uh, interview started, I was playing with my Doberman and they're still in their puppy stages so sometimes they make clumsy moves and they're funny I love those dogs all right ladies and gentlemen I would like to introduce to you Derek Phelps now Derek um give a brief bio of yourself and then tell us how you're feeling and then we'll go from there um yeah I'm Derek Phelps I uh let's see um I've been a musician for 30 years. Um, I've been a stand-up comedian for about 10 years, a little bit more, um, off and on. And uh, most recently, I started a new job. In fact, today I started a new job. Um, oh, congratulations. I, thank you. I've been, uh, been transitioning uh, away from music and uh there might be some music in my future, but um, not as much as I used to do. And uh, learning how to uh, how to navigate the tech world. So I'm trying to be a developer, <clears throat> nice. and uh, and working with computers and stuff. And uh, man, it's it's hard. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but um, you know. I'm stumbling my way through it, and hopefully by the time uh, I retire, I won't be destitute like I would be or would have been if I had stuck with music. <laughs> I dig <laughs> that. It would have been tough. Um, let's see. How am I feeling today? Uh, let's see. Pretty tired. Is that, a, is that on the wheel? That's on the wheel. I don't know, uh, but it's acceptable. I was looking for like excited the other day and couldn't find it on the wheel. I'm like, all right, so that's acceptable. We're gonna have to make our own feelings wheel for the show. Like, yeah, we should probably do it uh, <laughs> with real. Maybe it'll be a, uh, like a wheel, like a feeling square or something. Just yeah, change it up, do a different shape. True. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it first. The feeling square, no, <laughs> or the feelings octagon or something. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, you um. You were just talking about music. How did you? What got you into music? And what instruments do you play? Um, I play the trumpet uh, okay. primarily, um, and I got into it just, you know, kind of, kind of a little bit by chance. Uh, my when I 
could have signed up to be in band class when I was a kid. Uh, it was before I was even interested in it. And we moved as a family to a different state and they started the music programs a little bit later. And I forgot to give it a try when we got there and, uh, and really liked it. So that was 1988, I think, 1988. Um, so wow. A couple of years ago. <laughs> and then, uh, Just and then like any, like any horn player that's, uh, that stuck with it, I started uh, playing in bands uh, when I was really young, around when ska was big. So in the 90s okay. when ska was a thing, mm -hmm. uh, I was in a ska band, and then I was in another ska band, uh, and then I was in another ska band, and then I went to college and tried to learn how to play jazz and, um, and uh, all that stuff, uh, and kind of took off from there. And then when, when I went to Austin, I got really lucky and, uh, and met the right people and, uh, and got a lot of, a lot of gigs through, through different bands that I had joined at that time. Um, um and, uh, the rest is history. Hmm. What, Okay, first of all, when it comes to like practicing trumpet, do you like practice with it muted or is it, this is just personal, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you practice with it muted or is it like loud? Like, does it give you a headache is what I'm asking. Oh, yeah. Um, no, not really. It can be loud for sure. Um, mm. I try to practice without a mute if I'm going to practice. Mm. Um, for a lot of years, I, you know, sometimes it's not possible. You know, you're in a hotel or you're, uh, you know, you're living in an apartment or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's pretty hard to practice without a mute, um, as any drummer will, will tell you. Um, <laughs> it's a challenge. So, uh, so sometimes you have to practice mute, but it's not really good for your technique and your sound and uh, a lot of things. It's not super ideal. So I try to practice without the mute as much as I can. I dig that. Would would yeah. you say that music has like benefited you um, in terms of like a mental health? Uh, has it benefited you mentally or emotionally? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, it it's tough because you know music because I've been I have been doing it for so many years. It became my identity you know mm -hmm. when somebody asked me who i was i was like well i am a musician and that's not even what i did um so uh it was a part of me uh, playing music and sometimes it it wasn't great you know mm -hmm. i love playing music but you know it's there's a lot of things that go along with it you know you gotta you gotta find the money you gotta mm -hmm. hustle and uh you have to deal with situations that aren't, aren't ideal a lot of times mm -hmm. because you're you know you're playing with other people who they have their own agendas and their own uh way of 
of working together and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's it's not uh, it's not easy, mm. um, in that in that way. But you know, once you're on the bandstand, it can usually be fun. I think I dig that. Yeah. You were just talking about like having to work with other people and that kind of thing. And the thought just hit my head. Like, this is why comedy is so fantastic. Like, it's just, it's oh, just yeah. you on stage. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. How did you get into that? Um, and you're from Michigan, that. right? I am from Michigan, but I didn't okay. do, I didn't do comedy until I got to Austin. No, no, no. Um, I'm asking. Cause I know we both know Jason Smith and I'm like, Oh, sure. It would be really weird if he was not from Michigan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> super weird. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, comedy. Um, how did I get into comedy? Well, my my brother, uh, who who's older than I am, I always looked up to him, and and he he thought I was funny, and then I should do comedy. Some for many years, he told me it's like hey, you should you should do comedy. Like I like the way you tell stories or whatever it is, you know. Um, and I just didn't know where to start really. And uh, I went through a period of time, and when I was at, lived in Austin, <clears throat> where I got pretty lonely and, and depressed, and I went to see a an improv comedy show. And uh, man, they looked like they were having fun. And there was a there was a woman in the group that that was pretty attractive. And I was like, oh man, maybe if I do if I do improv stand up improv comedy that I can meet her or somebody like her yet it seems like a like a funny and a fun environment and with good people and stuff and uh, I went to a uh, an improv comedy uh, class it was like an intro class that was free and uh, for I give it a shot and had a lot of fun, but um, I couldn't do the class. I met on the wrong day. I had a rehearsal for a band on that day, and uh, and the teacher suggested that I do the stand-up class. I was like, oh, okay, I'll try that. Um, and pretty much since then, you know, I, I started having fun doing. I went did an open mic at Cap City in Austin and. Um, I had prepared uh, a few minutes of stuff, forgot most of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, got mo I got most of my laughs from, like, the stuff that I hadn't prepared, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's how my first open mic was, too. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I guess part of that, you kind of learn later after you see enough open mics that, you know, they usually, the host will say this is the first time that they're up and, mm. uh, you know, give them the support and usually audience is, is up for that, you know, so it's hard to really gauge that first time, That's true. like to really gauge whether you're funny or not. But if you're having fun, then man, just go ahead and do it. And the Austin is a great place for that. There's so many open mics and the the scene's really good. There's a lot of funny people. Mm -hmm. um, it's not too competitive or or catty. I don't think there's there is some like. Um, I would just say it's a different comedy scene from before. <laughs> for just from what I've heard, like certain things have changed. Oh, I certain bet. Things yeah. Oh, uh, before COVID. 
Yeah, like yeah. before COVID, it sounded like it was much more of like a community, whereas now mm. it's like, I don't even, it's just a bunch of different groups of people that are like, it's so clicky. Like it's oh, so no. clicky. That yeah. sucks. I mean, it is what it is. Sure, yeah. I wonder if it's like that in other cities. I've done, Probably. yeah, I've Probably done not. some open mics here in, in Fort Collins where I'm living now and uh, but I, it's hard to tell. Like I haven't really met anybody or anything. I just gone up on stage and then left. So I, dig I don't really know what the the scene is like. Um, I know a dude named Mark. Um, I mean, we can talk about this off the air. I know a dude named Mark yeah. who's up in Denver. Um, okay. He puts on like a com- he put on a comedy festival in Vail. That's how I met him. Uh, oh, I was cool. At, I performed at the festival, but he also has like a Vail comedy show. I'm not saying you're trying to drive all the way to Vail, but maybe he knows people in Denver. Wait, how far are you from Denver? Um, it's about an hour or so, a little bit longer than an hour to get to Denver. From yeah, maybe he knows people in Denver. I'm sure he Cause, does. Because yeah. I'll be driving to Houston for all <laughs> oh, Not man. all the time, but like I drive there and come right back, and it's well, crazy. That's dedication, man. That is. Because I think about it every time I drive. I'm like, we we taking this trip for 10 minutes of stage time. Like, right, is- totally. <laughs> I, I did that once. I went down to Corpus Christi for a show, and uh, and it was just like, how long is this drive? It just keeps on going. <laughs> it it's like five going. or six hours or something stupid. And then drive back. You do like 10 minutes and then drive back. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Brutal. I will say that. Those driving shows where I'm leaving from, I do not feel bad about leaving early. Hey, I'm no on way. stage. I'm no going to see y'all later. I'm gonna, yeah. yeah. Got to get out of here. Totally. Ah, man. Speaking of that, speaking of comedy in general, transitioning, we're well, not transitioning from comedy to music, but starting to do comedy while you are also doing music. I find that, and, um, and you obviously you can speak to this, I find that while it's very very easy to like be yourself in terms of music and express yourself and so forth. There's so much more self-expression that comes from comedy. And I think it's because like you can be your true unfiltered, authentic like self and you don't have to keep on pace with like a, you know, a BPM or stay in a key or anything like that. Sure. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I mean, I, I always feel like music is, it's a different, it's just a different monster. Like you're, it's to me. It's it feels closer to art because it's and more and closer to like poetry or something like that, mm-hmm. or like or you know like abstract painting or something. Where I guess it depends on the genre, but most of the stuff I or the stuff I enjoy playing was like instrumental music. And when there's no words, like it's pretty, uh, you you can interpret that, you know, however you Mm -hmm. want, like what, what you're trying to communicate and what you're trying to like, uh, get out of yourself or whatever. It's a different thing than, than comedy. But yeah, as far as like perspective goes and like, you know, as in stand up, it's just you. And so you can be, you, it can be a lot more personal for sure. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to uh, like compromise 
what you're communicating. You know, usually you would, in a, if you're playing in a band, I guess if you're like a singer-songwriter or something, that can be close to stand-up comedy in a way. Because um, you have all the control. That makes sense. And that's, that's the relationship I have to it, like singer-songwriter. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I will say this, though. And I, as you were talking, I, I think that part of it for me is just being understood. Uh, mm-hmm. Like being on the spectrum, being mentally ill is very hard to communicate with people. I feel like the only time I do it successfully is on stage. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but that, <laughs> that was a random thought I had. You said you listen to instrumental music. Do you listen to Bad, Bad, Not Good? I know this is random, but do you listen to Bad, Bad, Not Good? I don't. I sh- um, Maybe I should. I don't know. I like know. them a lot. I don't they're, know Bad, um, Bad, Not Good. I know that sounds really familiar. Canada, maybe? Maybe Toronto. But, um, yeah, they recently released a new project. But, yeah, I like Bad, Bad, Not Good a lot. Okay, I love Bad, Bad, Not Good. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Shout out to Bad, Bad, Not Good. I will. They're I will also the sponsors out. of this episode. No, I'm just playing. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, not Hold really. on one second. <laughs> Can you hear that? I just, uh, sorry, I have oh, my headphones on, playing. so you probably, yeah, I like pulled it up. I was like, nah, it's too loud. <laughs> <laughs> I have the headphones on, so it's not coming through. Um, I dig that. Yeah, I'll check them out for sure. Okay. Yeah. I was talking to, um, we, I met with a comedian actually from for the last episode um, who is very open about like her mental health struggles and these kind of things and was talking about how comedy helped her like, you know, process certain things. Um as well as like, you know, get certain things out. Um, would you say that comedy has helped you in that way? Like in terms of like maybe coming to terms with something or, you know, you write a joke about something and then you realize like, damn, I never thought I would be over that or, you know what I mean? And now I'm sure. able to crack a joke about it. Um, not a whole lot. I mean, not a whole lot. Just the, the kind of comedy that I like. Mm-hmm. to do it's not uh uh you know it's a lot of like wordplay and like uh, uh and more more s- like nonsensical or s- silly stuff um it's less personal um but i have tried that a few times it never goes well <laughs> whenever i like for whatever reason like talking about things that are too uh, to like a real story that sometimes it just doesn't work for me for, you know, uh, just not my, just not my bag, I guess. Um, yeah, I was talking, I was actually, we, me and another comedian talked about that too. Her name's Paige, by the way. I don't know why you would care. Anyway, um, we both talked about the same thing. Like there are definitely a bunch of different types of comedy Oh, and yeah. no one's doing every type of comedy. And at the end yeah. of the day, it's about, I mean, I, and I guess it's like music in that way, too. You find a genre you want to start off in and then you go from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you say that these things like positively, inf- would you say that these things positively impact your mental health? Um, the music and comedy? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, comedy for sure. Uh it's hard to say with music. Um, I've had so many different 
situations and some uh, some situations that like really didn't help me. You know, being on tour, like I did a lot of touring. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we talking music or comedy? Music. Okay. Comedy touring that I did, I've only done like a few trips. It was great. I'm about to say, that's like glorious because you just get so to be awesome. alone. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, and even like one of the trips, I like, like my car broke down. Uh, like I got a, I got towed. But it didn't matter. It was just like I made a little, like didn't make a ton of money, but I made enough to cover the trip. Mm-hmm. And like I was just by myself. And I, I could choose to stop here or there or like give somebody a ride or it was just fun. I had a great jump time. Out of the car, you know? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, uh, music and, and I think that like, uh, touring is one of the only ways to really make a living as a, mm. as a musician. And, you know, I toured uh, a lot. I did a lot of different trips with different bands, and uh, sometimes it was okay and fun, but most of the time it was really challenging. You know, you're stuck. You're basically working and living with the same people. You, it's hard to get away, and like, um, even if you like those people, it can be hard. People you uh, like can get annoying after a certain amount, of, like after a certain oh, amount yeah. of time around them, right? Yeah, and okay. I know, I know, I was annoying on tour. You know, it's uh, there's people farting and like in the <laughs> van, and like you're, you know, they somebody likes to listen to Howard Stern when they're driving, and it's so oh. loud. And we're just like, God, can we just, can I get some time alone? <laughs> yeah. You know, you get to the get to the venue and like. Uh, nobody, you know, nobody's booked the hotel yet, and the the sound check sucks, and you're sitting in the green room for five hours, and you're just like, when is this gonna? Can I go back to the hotel and like be in my own bed and not talk to anybody? Um, and you know, there were great things about being on tour, as far as like seeing old friends and seeing family that I. I would never travel that much to see those people, but it was great to be able to do that um, for sure. You know, I saw like saw some people in Australia that I went, I worked on the cruise ship with, that I don't think I would ever be able to see any other time. And I was really cool, Um, and and you know, had some good musical experiences for sure, but. and I've heard that. Uh, I think I've, I've been on. I've been with different bands and toured with different bands, but like a, on a big level, um, it was hard to understand how this could work, you know. And I could be happy. Um, and I would hear about other bands and how good they had it. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, as far as like, it seemed like they, you know, the the tour was organized well, and you knew where you're going to be and and what time you needed to get to places, and you knew when you could you could hang out 
and not do anything. So there's um, more structure. There's more structure. Yeah. And I, uh, and for me, uh, I think I needed that, you know? Um, so yeah, that part of, of playing music and being a musician was not good for my mental health. And I, I spent years with a therapist trying to figure out when I could get out of it. You know, it's like, mm. can I, can I quit now? <laughs> it's like, well, you know, maybe it's not a good time, uh, for money or like having something else to, to do afterwards, mm. you know? So it could have been worse. Maybe. How, how di- or not difficult, but how, like, were you anxious at all making that transition from music into tech? Oh like, yeah. 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 And it'll, I think it'll continue to be a kind of a thing for a while. I dig that. I'm working on it. It's, you know, being, having done it for so long and then just not doing it almost at all is hard. Yeah. Like, I'm not really practicing my trumpet right now. I, I practiced, I had a gig in Austin a couple of weeks ago. Nice. Which was fun. Um, and uh, and I practiced for like two months to get ready for that. Cool. Uh, but then afterwards, I'm like, well, I don't really have time. Mm-hmm. I got to do other stuff, and it really is like a thing. Like I, you gotta you gotta put time in, especially with trumpet. Yeah. You got to put like an hour, two hours in every day. Otherwise, your chops start to go. And that's a lot of time out of the day when I have a, a kid and a there. wife and a, you know, everybody wants mm. my, wants some of my time and I don't want to not give them my time. Yeah. Uh, it's hard. Do you, so. do you find yourself staying up later like than everybody else or waking up earlier than everyone else to get some of that solitude? Um, no, sometimes I'll stay up a little bit later. I'm not, I don't know. I when I was uh, when I was in when I graduated college, I was really tired. I was like, "Can I just sleep in? Yeah, I just want to like get some sleep now, you know." Mm-hmm. And I got into a like a a real routine of like staying up late and sleeping in late. Oh, that sounds fabulous. It was so great. Oh, but you, you know, with kids. you cannot do it with kids. <laughs> you know, he he brutalized me. You know, it's like you got to wake up at when they wake up. You know, I am still to this day actively trying. Every day I wake up, I am tr- like I'm putting my best foot forward. I just don't know how good of a foot that is. Yeah, because I hate yeah. waking up in the morning. Like I, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Like yeah. you just waking up out of a comfortable slumber. The bed, your sheets feel like they weigh a hundred pounds. You don't yeah. want to move. Yeah. Yeah. I am not a morning person. I I also think that more people need to speak up about being nocturnal humans so that we can change these norms. I, mean, I don't know how. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, like, I I don't know. I think there's a, a yeah. I don't know, like, maybe even half the people listening to this are like, yeah, like, you know, I, I, I would prefer to, I mean, I would personally prefer to, like, work in the afternoon and just be up at night. Or work oh, at night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, my brain is working is like starts to turn on right around now. And I start to think sucks. like and then I just but now 
you know, and then back in the day, I would do a lot of writing and practicing at night. But, you know, pretty That's much. That's what I do now. Yeah. Writing. Yeah. But it's hard to, it's hard to do that. You know, the kid goes to sleep and you're like, oh, now I have all this time. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, ah, oh, the dread starts to sink in for me. Like, I got to wake up. <laughs> I got to wake up in the morning. In the morning. So I got to, like, get to sleep. And, like, yeah, it's the thing do you use caffeine or anything to wake up or do you just tough it out um i do drink caffeine but like drink coffee um and that's something i never really did that much until i had a kid <clears throat> i'm getting and, close and it ain't yeah. even the kids it's just like everything else in life you realize how early i mean because you know the people who are putting stuff together they have kids and the sure. they can get stuff, you know, they kids waking up early. So you waking up early and we just all waking up early. And once again, <laughs> it brings me back to the nocturnal society yeah. that I'm trying to create right now. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like I've, I've legitimately tried to be a morning person for like 28 years and it did yeah. not work. Oh like, no. It, it didn't work. I tried it again like a couple months ago and I, I just, <laughs> Try to, I'm, you know, keep starting off easy. Like, oh, I'm going to just wake up at 8 o'clock. And I was miserable. Like, That's... good morning. <laughs> Everybody shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Yeah, God, it takes what... me a while to like, get it, to get there. I And I, I in, uh, in Colorado, it's really dry up here. Um, so I have to, I'll get headaches like crazy. For a while, I thought I had migraines, but I found out it's just because I'm dehydrated. Oh, that's cool. I mean, that's not cool. Like, <laughs> it's better to, you know, like, oh, I just need to drink more water than, like, Definitely. chronic migraines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just, like, it was miserable um, until I figured that out. Anyway, uh, so first thing in the morning, I got to drink water, a lot of water. So I'm not drinking that- coffee right away. I'll like kind of put it off and usually the water will do it. Like I can, I can get a couple hours out of that and then I'm, I need some coffee. Yeah. Water is definitely like the unsung hero of life. It really is. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's just amazing how even like when you are hydrated, how much better you feel mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, that kind of stuff. It just sucks. Cause like all the stuff that's bad for you just tastes so much better. It's just so much more fun. <laughs> like, but water's what you need. <laughs> you don't need that, you know, tequila and lime. Sure. Well, maybe. But, you know. <laughs> Do you, um, you said that you met with a therapist. <sighs> Two questions. What is your relationship to just mental health in general? However you interpret that, you can answer it. Some of these are vague on purpose. And then, um. What is your relationship to mental health in general? And how do you feel? Do you feel that there's still like a super negative stigma behind it or surrounding it, involved mm. with it, surrounding it? Yeah. Um, well, I got the therapist because I was, I got, I got pretty depressed uh, when I was on tour playing the band and just sort of like, just angry about it and I had a I had a really bad breakup for like for me um, when I was about 28 or so 
and uh, a lot of life changes happen at 28. Apparently, <laughs> it's true, man. That's such a formidable time. Yeah, and uh, which is weird because when it, you're 19, you think 28 is like 45, right? <laughs> you know, sorry, uh-huh. I'm sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, it's true. Um, yeah, it's weird because I'm 45 now, and so like anybody who like we have a neighbor who's i think he's 20 or something <laughs> mm. he's just a he's so he's like Look a baby you. it's crazy young, yeah, hopeful so, about the future no. right <laughs> but even somebody who's 30 is like my wife is 10 years younger than me mm-hmm. and uh she's always like oh i feel so old i'm like can you stop saying that around me? <laughs> Please. It's like 10, 10 years. Um, but uh, uh, that just means that you age slower than she does. That's all. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, she's way ma- more mature than I am. Um, <laughs> uh, but what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, so at that, you know, for that breakup in particular messed me up pretty bad. And it was weird because it was really short. It was a short relationship. It was like two months or something. Like <laughs> it was so short. And you then I went out. Something I, deeper. Yeah, and but something something about it and uh, uh, messed me up. And I didn't think that I would find that again. You know. I feel that. How did? Oh, and ahead. so so like the. So I just I think I just started to get more and more depressed about it and didn't realize it you know it was like the frog in the boiling water you know mm-hmm. and by the just, t- yeah, it's too late by the time it, yeah i was just so sad and like kind of felt hopeless about it and uh uh but the i will say that you know i in austin as a musician you have um some resources that are really helpful. I Shout wish out to I, the Sims Foundation. Yeah, Sims and Ham Shout are are just like it's so amazing. Like the, how many lives they've saved and and the, just the good work that they do. And um, you know, I would never be able to get a therapist. And that's the that's another whole you know a whole another problem is that you know I feel very lucky to have gotten that, but like. What if I wasn't a musician? Mm-hmm. Can't afford a therapist. Yeah, it's expensive as hell. Super Which expensive. Sucks. I mean, that's how it seems. It is with a lot of the things, like the things that you need the most, or the people who need them the most can't afford them. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, it's really gross the way our society is set up. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, but Sims was there and I, you know, I had had ham for a while and, and found out about Sims. I was like, maybe I should just give him a call. And, uh, and I got it there. I still have that therapist that was 15 years ago or something. Um, and he's been super, uh, we'll have to like figure out another rate. Or something. We, he, for a while, it was like five dollars. Oh damn! Yeah, y'all definitely got to figure out another rate. That, that's community service, no, right? Just, <laughs> <laughs> but now, you know, it's gone up. It's more yeah. expensive now. But like, 
he's but just been great uh, as an understanding as far as that goes. You know, he's like, what, you know, what you can afford, and we'll we'll work it out, and we'll figure out what uh, how we can make it work. And even now, like I'm in Colorado, it's the same therapist. He's in Austin. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't I can't do therapy. I'm not going to out this guy. You, you oh, because of the uh, because, because of, of the he's not lines. no he's not uh, he's not uh, licensed in Colorado in Colorado yeah yeah so um, he's like a lot well, of stipulations d- with that too right like it's, it's fucking stupid yeah you know, excuse really, my French but like it makes oh, me angry I, oh I said that earlier I said fuck earlier so you oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> good the you know. Uh, What's the big deal? So, he's, we're just talking. Like, why are you? Why would it be a? Why would you not allow somebody to be a therapist wherever in the United States? Yeah, I don't I, get it. But, the only thing I can think of is it has something to do with like most of the laws in the country. This is not a conspiracy theorist show. Most of the laws in the country <laughs> have to <laughs> have to do with like money, like some like even you remember uh, in Michigan, yeah. like clicking a ticket was not always a thing. Sure, so many people started dying in car crashes. Ford was like, "Hey, we ain't okay. I can't speak for Ford or GM or whoever, but like, hey, we tired of going to these, you know, these out of court settlements. Like, make it a law." Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and we think like, oh, it's for safety. It's a new law you can live with. No, we got tired uh-huh. of paying these wrongful death uh-huh. you know, payouts. I didn't want to get sued anymore. That's what I hope happens with police. I don't do you know mean? if, you know, enough people sue the police and the police union and for, uh, for uh, you know, mistreatment and, and wrongful abuse um, that hopefully the police get tired of being sued. It definitely feels like the country, like, at the same time, was just like, I don't have any good experience with the cops. I don't have a good experience with the cops either. You know what, man? Fuck the cops. Like, right. you know what I mean? It was like yeah. everybody realized together at the same time, like, oh, like, we're all being fucked over by the police. Fuck the police. Like, Totally. It just sucks because you know what it is. It's, if it's a, okay, I'm not just going to throw numbers out there, but it's always like, you know, I guess it's the same. it was the same thing with professional sports. It's always the one or two dumbass athletes that make it bad for everybody on each team. Not on, not in the whole, you know, on each team. And I'm pretty sure, sure it's the same with cops. Like, you got 53 yeah. good cops. And it's the two bad ones that you're going to hear about. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's a tough position to be in. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do that. They ever. definitely don't make enough money. Like, I don't think anybody that is, like, putting their life on the line in this country, makes enough money. Like soldiers, no police oh, officers, yeah. teachers. Yeah, no way. Huh. What? That's what happens when you live in a country that was built on capitalism, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> Indeed. I um. Uh, but back yeah. to the back to the like, you know, uh, is there a stigma to to mental health and stuff in the country? I think it's gotten a little bit better, but it's hard to say because of my own perspective i know some people for sure a lot of people that i think could uh benefit from having a therapist um that don't have a therapist or or someone to talk to like that you know can we talk about that for a minute because i'm pretty sure that there's someone that's listening right now and people always wonder like you know because you don't i don't know like 
you don't want to go to someone, you don't want to do it the wrong way because sometimes you only get one chance to do it. What are some things that you noticed in other people that, you know, were red flags to you and then how did you approach them? Or, oh, or how would you approach them? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's something that I work on with my therapist all the time. Like I'm not confrontation and like, uh, and, uh, and uh, approaching somebody like that with something so heavy, that's hard. A lot of times for me, like I, the people that I have talked to about that, it's pretty soft. It's like, it's it's a pretty soft sell. Like I talk about my own experience with it and I try to bring it, sometimes I try to bring it up to people I know that might feel uh, like it's a weird thing or something. Mm-hmm. Like I used, I brought it up to my parents pretty soon after I started therapy because I was like, you know, they need to know that I'm trying to to help myself, you know. Mm-hmm. Not that they are at fault or something, you know. It's just, um, you know, their generation of therapy was not a thing. No, it was suck it up and get over it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I won't say that like my parents were like hard asses or anything. They were pretty supportive, but any, any parent, it's impossible to do it right. You know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to make mistakes. And, you know, I found out recently with this, you know, trying to transition to tech Mm -hmm. that, uh, not to get too off on a tangent here, but oh no 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 you good this is a well I'm not gonna say this is a safe space but this is a <laughs> we <laughs> roll a with the flow space. here okay. there you go <laughs> um, the uh, you know I, I took a coding boot camp which is a popular thing to do these days um, and holy crap that was hard Jesus I've never I haven't used my brain like that since maybe since college, like just intense and fast. And like, I felt lost almost the whole time. And, uh, and, and I also like spent a lot of time calling myself stupid. Yeah. You know, beating myself up about like, if I don't understand something right away, then it's like, God, I must be fucking stupid. Like staring at this, code for an hour and it just won't get in my head and uh and i was talking to my therapist about he's like you know what were your parents like when with school and stuff like that and it's like well they were always really supportive you know like they always told me i was smart growing up and he was like they told you what (laughs) he's like they didn't tell you the right thing and to them, that they were trying to they were trying to be supportive and like build up my confidence and like, mm-hmm. and I spent, I mean the whole my whole school career like thinking I was really smart, but it, I don't think that was what it was. It was that I worked hard on trying I think to that's just trying different to, types of intelligence. Yeah, well, I worked hard on trying to perform. Uh, well enough so I could feel smart. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I went around, around the right way, but it was for the wrong reasons, kind of. Right. And so whenever I uh, took this boot camp, and it had been so long since I had worked hard at trying to learn something, it that part of it was got like kind of gone. Mm. I didn't know how to like study and like understand something that was hard. And as soon as I didn't understand it, which was pretty quickly, then I was stupid. You know? Do you, do you have like, not action items, but do you have like, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. So I'm just going to say like, do you have mental programs in place for like when you do get to this place where you start talking bad to yourself, where you can kind of work yourself out of it? Or is it mm. something that like lasts till you see a therapist again? Or like, how do you get out of these? Uh, and are you working to have more patience with yourself? Yeah, I am. I mean, I think, you know, my therapist's approach is, is, uh, is about labeling things and like, talking about why and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, he doesn't give me a whole lot of like homework. Like I talk to other people that have therapists that, you know, ask them to write things down or whatever. He's, he never does that. We'll, we'll spend, you know, we'll spend sessions just working on comedy bits sometimes, uh, you know, but like, uh, but a lot of times with stuff like that, it'll be, it'll be like, well, what's, what's going on? What do you think's going on there? You know? Mm. And he'll talk about like the, the word for it. Like, this is the word for that thing that you're feeling and it helps, you know, it's not like immediate, but it's a better feelings. Will. Is that what it is? That's what it sounds like. It sounds like yeah. it's a better version of, the feelings will that continues to let me down week after week. I'm, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to diss the feelings will. Feelings will has been good to me. It is good. I think it's good for uh, for labels and just to understand, like that. You know, you're not always. Well, for me, like whenever I'm, uh whenever I'm angry, like a lot of times with my son, I'll, he'll get angry and then I'll get angry, you know? Yeah. Same and, here. uh, and then afterwards it's, it's a shame spiral. And <laughs> that's just like, ah, fuck. But when I think about it afterwards, it's like, Oh, you know, it, it, it's, I was embarrassed, you know, mm-hmm. he, he made me feel like a bad dad because you got angry or whatever it was, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that is pretty powerful for me. It works. Um, you know, and I think about like those, those words and the, that, those kind of emotions that, uh, it's not just anger. It's not just like rage. There's so many other things that are in there. Mm-hmm. that I didn't know about before. Then therapy has been pretty helpful. How way. difficult has it been being a man just coming? Because obviously, like like you, we talked earlier about the stigmas, like people don't always want to hear men talk about their emotions. How mm-hmm. difficult was it for you, especially 
with the generation before you not having an example, there's a lot of this is like new territory that you're covering. Um, sure. What, was that was that a process for you where you had to work? Did you have to work up to being you know comfortable identifying and expressing these emotions, or would you say that that was something that came more naturally? No, I had to work up to it. You know, it's pretty uh, it's pretty raw at the beginning, but didn't know what was going on, and I was pretty lost. Uh, it took a while for me to, and the, and it still happens. Mm -hmm. Therapy is like sometimes the same things for a Mm -hmm. while, you know, Mm -hmm. and they, and they like, I forget about it and then I'll come back in therapy and do the same thing. Anyway, it's, um, the, uh, so the, sure. I lost my train of thought. Um, yeah. So it's been a process of, of getting used to talking I'm a pretty quiet person, but like, I couldn't even tell. No, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what stand-up comedy has done for me. You know, it's because I'm. Any more comfortable talking? Yeah, like I, I do like. It's weird. I like talking and on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's partly because. When I grew up, I I had an older brother that talked at the dinner table, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was, whenever we were in a group, you know, I was like, he would talk or somebody else would talk. And I would just be like, oh, okay. I would listen. I wouldn't be the one that got to talk about anything. Yeah. Um, And you see getting on stage now, it's like, not your time, but like, it's my turn. Sure. Yeah, now I have control of the room. Yeah. I feel the same way. I mean, for different reasons, but like, yeah, I, I know, I know what that feeling is like. I mean, for me, I was on losing teams all the fucking time, like yeah. all the time. And I, I would say that comedy is like, it feels like a win every time you get off stage. It feels, and there's nothing like winning. So yeah, you know. Speaking of that. I did reach out to you when I first started doing comedy and so forth. On a scale of one to ten, ten being the highest, how annoying was I? Because <laughs> believe it or not, I tried to t- I tried to taper it back. For those who don't know, uh, Derek was actually one of the first. Actually, you may be the first comedian I talked to about doing comedy. Yes, Derek is the first comedian that I talked to about doing comedy. I feel so how annoying was I? Not very. No. Oh, thank God. Uh, yeah, no, it was fine. Um, not. Uh, not a lot of comedians reach out to me for, for advice. Um, so it was kind of funny, but, uh, but why I, not? Why don't comedians reach out to each other for advice? Um, maybe it's just me. Uh, Are I don't you know. An asshole? No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I won't say nobody did, but like most of that stuff happens at the at the like open mic or something and you're, you're talking to somebody and speaking uh, of mental health i can only do one a week now yeah it's like, too much I, it's way too much like you were talking about <laughs> beating yourself up earlier i'll be uh, sitting at an open mic like we left the nfl for the what in the fuck <laughs> are you doing like, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> we like could have been hours. watching the coin toss yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Right. Well, now we're sitting here listening to this kid threaten suicide for the 30th time this week. <laughs> like, you stupid mother. So I understand. Yeah. I understand that, like, that negative, critical, angry voice. I mean, it's damn near like you're taking out your anger on yourself. And it's a sure. vicious cycle, like you were saying. Yeah. 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 How and it's usually those, usually those open mics, too, are like, it's just other comedians. You know, you have other comedians in the audience and everybody's like yeah. nervous. And and yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Everybody in the audience is waiting to get off stage. And yeah. the dude on yeah, stage yeah. is like, fuck the audience. It's just right? not a, it's a very toxic <laughs> environment. Like, it's, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Bad. I remember talking to I was going to ask you, but I'm like, that sounds stupid. I was like, hey, is this open mic thing something I have to do for like the rest of my career? Because <laughs> if it is, I need to find something else to do. This is bullshit. Yeah. That's like my current like shortlist goal. Like right behind recording my special, it is get to the point where we do not need to do open mics anymore to try out new material. Like, yeah. Cause Lord, oh my! <laughs> I feel like open mics are like the weeding course of comedy, though. Because if you can make it through an open mic, you really care, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, the the most dedicated. Stand-ups are, they come to all the open mics and, and do that, do that hard work. That's real. It sucks. But those, it sucks. but you also like, it can breed uh, trouble, you know. Yeah. They bred animosity in me for a while. <laughs> yeah. So much animosity. Toward myself. It wouldn't even, sorry. Yeah. I hear that. <laughs> for sure. But yeah, I, ugh. I'm pretty sure, and I don't know. I'm not about to sit here and bitch about open mics for 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the new name of the show, Open Mics. <laughs> um, did you have any? Uh, did you have any words of wisdom? I always ask people like if they have anything they want to say at the end, because I do firmly believe that like. Every guest that comes on the show, like there will be someone listening that will identify and relate and these kinds of things. Do you have anything that you would say to someone that's listening to you and they're like, oh, you know, I can I can identify with feeling that way or this is, you know, I feel the same way about my job or, you know, that kind of thing. Hmm. Hmm. Or from a mental health standpoint, too, like the dudes who grew, grew up under households with dudes that didn't show emotions and now they're trying to identify their own emotions. Sure, yeah. God, that's how um, hard just asking the question. Like I <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's... Well, one thing uh, that somebody told me recently, which is something I need to remind myself of a lot, is... Um, is that, is that your job and like whatever it is that you have to do to like make it and to like make it through the day doesn't have to be your identity. Mm. You, know, you can, you can, uh, you know, work two jobs or whatever, but you don't have to be those be that person you know it can be something else if you want it's up to you um and then as far as like the the that stigma and like 
for people that like feel uncomfortable with feelings and like expressing that stuff, I think that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. you can, you can be that way if you want. Um, but understand that there are options out there. If, if you don't have somebody to talk to, I think it's very important to, uh, to have somebody or even a couple could be your friend, you know, mm-hmm. somebody that you can talk to, um, about what you're really feeling. Ladies and gentlemen, well, first of all, Derek, it's been a pleasure. I'm about to hit the For stop sure. button because I'm very bad at like <laughs> at closing out. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good uh, way to stop is just to stop. That's true. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.